Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Sometimes when looking at the scriptures, it can be very difficult to read through the events that took place and hear the things that the Lord Jesus had to say because you can tell that there are some things that are missing. There were things that he did that we simply have no record of. There were things that he said that we have no record of. We are very fortunate to have the scriptures at our disposal. I believe that these are the things that our God wants us to know. That even though we may not have everything, we may not know everything about what Jesus said, about what he did, we know enough. We have enough evidence. We have enough to look at. We have what I believe our God wants us to have, and for that, I am very thankful. But sometimes as you read the scriptures, you can see that there is some information that appears to be missing. It's either not there because people didn't record it, or it's not there because people assumed that you would have known exactly what they were talking about. And this is one of the advantages of studying through the culture and the history of that time, to be able to put things together that people would have known at that time and to understand many of the things that Jesus said and Jesus did from their point of view, from their perspective, according to their beliefs, even though their beliefs probably were not correct, it doesn't matter. People would hear things through their ears and they would see things through their eyes. And it can be very helpful to understand how people would have perceived the ministry of the Lord Jesus because I believe there is a significant amount of evidence to show that he took that into consideration, that he paid attention to what people were hearing. He paid attention to what people believed, and he paid attention to what people did. And he spoke to people individually and personally in a way that they could understand. And so understanding what they understood can be very helpful in seeing what he did and what he said through their eyes. In the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51, we have a very interesting example of this, and I would like to take some time in this program to talk about these verses. Beginning in John chapter 1, verse 43, it says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, in these verses, you can see there are a few opportunities for a person to be concerned. There are a few opportunities. For example, when Philip said to Nathanael that Jesus was from Nazareth, Nathanael replied and he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, what is he talking about? Where does he get that from? Why would he say something like that? What kind of an accusation is that? What kind of a joke is that? I mean, where does he get that from? There's a wonderful opportunity to see in the scriptures that something appears to be missing that it would be very helpful to understand this inside joke that appears to be just between the two of them. What about the rest of us who get to read this now? But there's even a bigger and more important example of how we can see that information is probably missing. And that's as you continue to read, and you see that the Lord Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit, Philip asks him, how do you know me? And he tells him that he saw him under the fig tree. And then he says, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Now, I have to ask this question. How does Nathaniel go from Jesus saying, I saw you under the fig tree to he is the king of Israel? He is the son of God. How does he get there from that? How does that happen? Now, in most cases, what people do is they look at a passage like this and they say, well, here's an example of a divine revelation that Nathaniel could not have known that Jesus was the Son of God, the King of Israel, unless there was some divine intervention of some kind. The Holy Spirit came upon Nathaniel and told him in some way that he was truly Jesus, was truly the Messiah, and Nathaniel was there to give his testimony so that all the other people who were there would then believe because of the testimony of Nathaniel. That's usually what people will say. But I do not believe that that's the case. I believe that there are some things that we can understand, that we can know about the fig tree, that we can know about the things that Jesus said that would give us an indication of what Nathaniel would have heard from Jesus that would cause him to say such a thing, that would convince him of such a fact that would not necessarily require divine intervention, that anybody could have figured that out, anybody could have proclaimed that, if he would have said something similar to them that would have only been relevant to them. So let me begin with Nathaniel being told that Jesus is from Nazareth. I'm going to start with that. That's in verse 45, where Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Why would he say such a thing? Well, it just so happens that at that time, Nazareth was not considered to be a very quiet community. It was considered to be a little bit of a rough town. It was considered to be an area where people would gather together who were not considered to be very honorable in society. That's one way to describe that. And so when he asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth, he was talking about Nazareth at that time in history, which was a community that 
primarily had people who were not considered to be of high reputation. This has happened throughout history. There have been many times in history when people have spoken about other communities or other nationalities or other religions in a degrading way, sometimes for the purpose of humor, to make comparisons with themselves so that they can say, you know, we're not like those people who are not as good as we are, that kind of thing. Sometimes people look for others to use as a joke, to use as an opportunity for humor. And at this time in history, people were doing that about the people in Nazareth. That's what people were doing. And so when Nathaniel says this, he's saying something that would be very well understood by the people at that time. They would understand his small attempt at humor by suggesting such a thing. And of course, Philip says, listen, you just got to come and see for yourself. And in most cases, these jokes that people make or these attitudes that people have can often be resolved just simply by them going and seeing things for themselves and not just trying to ride on the humor or the ignorance of themselves or of others. So Nathaniel goes to see Jesus personally. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Now, if we make the assumption, which I think is a reasonable assumption, that Jesus and Nathaniel have never met personally before, that they have never had any contact with each other before, that Jesus would not have had any prior information about Nathaniel at all, if we make that assumption, then why does Jesus say he has no deceit in him? I mean, what does he know about Nathaniel that nobody else knows? Is he just saying that because of the way that Nathaniel looks? Is he just saying that in order to start out on a positive foot with Nathaniel because he is assuming or he thinks that maybe Nathaniel has something against him because he's from Nazareth? And so he might as well try to jump out ahead and try to forge some really good bond with Nathaniel on the basis of him trusting him. If he trusts Nathaniel, then maybe Nathaniel will trust him. Is that the motive? Is that the idea? I don't think so. Nathaniel said to him in verse 48, How do you know me? How do you know me? He asks him. He questions him. He says, listen, if you're going to be so bold as to say this, as to say this publicly in front of everybody, that I am a man of integrity, I am a man in whom is no deception whatsoever, if you're going to say that, then on what basis are you saying that? Why are you saying that? What special knowledge, what reason do you have to say such a thing? You Nazarene, who would want to trust you anyway? You who are from that place that has all those people that we don't trust, you know, your testimony on my behalf might make me look bad. I don't need that in my life. Why are you saying that? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That's all he said. Before he called you, You were under the fig tree, and I saw you. Now, you know, anybody could have seen him under the fig tree, right? Anyone could have been walking by, could have been traveling, could have been looking for something to buy, could have been looking for something to do, and they would have noticed Nathaniel under the fig tree. They could have noticed him. For Philip to go and talk to Nathaniel would have provided Jesus with an opportunity to go out and go and see Nathaniel while nobody's looking. He could just simply be testifying, listen, I saw you over there. 
I saw you under that tree. That's all that this could imply. It could just simply imply that. But Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. That's what he said in response to that. Because he said that he was under the fig tree? No, because of everything else that he said in addition to that. When he told Nathanael that he was a person of no deceit, he said something about his character, about his being. There was a lot said there, but in order to really put all of this together, you're going to have to understand a few things about the fig tree and the implications of Nathaniel being under the fig tree. In reality, that is where the answer to this concern is found. What would Nathaniel be doing under a fig tree? I mean, what's he doing there anyway? Is he there looking for figs? It's not likely. If he was under the fig tree, he would be looking for figs. He probably would not be sitting down, at least not for very long. If he was there under the fig tree, he would be there doing something unique. He would be doing something specific. Now, it just so happens that there was a specific reason why somebody would be under a fig tree at all. There was a specific reason. You see, many of the rabbis taught that if you were to study the scriptures, the best place to do it would be under a fig tree. That's what many of the Pharisees taught. In fact, there were many Pharisees who would only teach, many rabbis, who would only teach under a fig tree, and they would never teach any other place. The only place that they would teach would be under a fig tree. So if a person is under a fig tree, they are there for the purpose of being taught by a rabbi or to meditate on the scriptures. That's why a person would be under the fig tree if they're not looking for figs, of course. Now, where does this come from? I mean, where did they get this idea of meditating on the scriptures under the fig tree or studying the scriptures or teaching the scriptures under the fig tree? Where did they get this idea from? Well, it comes from Genesis. It comes from Genesis when God created Adam and Eve and he identified the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He identified the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and told Adam and Eve, whatever you do, do not eat from that tree. And in this case, the emphasis that we have to consider is the fact that he identifies the tree as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what was this tree? Well, we don't know what this tree was. We don't have enough information to say absolutely what kind of a tree this was. I have an opinion, though, and this opinion is the opinion of the rabbis, and that was that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree, because when they ate from the fruit of this tree, they discovered that they were without clothes. And what did they do? They reached for a leaf in order to cover themselves. Well, to me, it would be quite convenient to reach for the closest leaf that you can get a hold of. And that was a fig leaf. So if they reached for a fig leaf, if they grabbed a fig leaf in order to cover themselves, that means it was quite close, which means that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was probably a fig tree. Now, what is the relationship between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the fact that people would be meditating on the scriptures or teaching the scriptures? What is that relationship? Well, In the law, we have the pure description of God of what is good 
And what is evil? That's what the law is. The law is the contribution that God made to humanity to declare in his own words what is good and what is evil. So if you are going to study, if you are going to meditate, if you are going to teach that which is good and evil, the best place to do it would be under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what they believed. This is what they believed. This is what they taught. And this is why Nathaniel would be under the fig tree. He would be there in order to meditate on the scriptures, unless he's being taught by a rabbi there, but there's no indication of that taking place. And so I'm going to make the assumption that he was there meditating on the scriptures, and Jesus saw him there. He saw him meditating. Now, what would he be meditating on? What passages of the scriptures would he be meditating on? Well, it just so happens that at that time in history, there was a schedule. There was an official schedule of what passages in the scriptures a person would be studying, teaching, or meditating on during certain times of the year. Now, according to what I can tell in the scriptures, this time of the year was around the time of Passover. It's my opinion that this was around the time of Passover, and so if he was under the fig tree studying the scriptures or meditating on the scriptures during this time, he is studying, he is meditating on the scriptures that are taught during this time of year according to the rabbinical schedule. Now, I don't know exactly what passages he would be looking at, but one thing I can say with confidence, I can say that he was probably nowhere near Genesis. I can say that with a reasonable degree of confidence, that he was nowhere near the book of Genesis. More specifically, the passages in Genesis that relate to Jacob. Jacob was a man who was known as an individual who was deceptive. We have a historical record of his life and a few examples that show that he was a man of deceit. We do know that. And we know that when he left his father's household, he put his head on a rock. And while he was sleeping, the Lord gave him a vision, a vision of angels ascending and descending upon the earth. We know that. I personally believe that when Jesus identified Nathanael, he saw Nathanael, he looked at him and he said, You are an Israelite indeed identifying him with Jacob, the first Israelite. His name was changed to Israel, and he was the father of the Israelite people in that context. When Jesus identified Nathanael as an Israelite and then said that he is not only an Israelite, one of Jacob, but he is one without deceit. He is not one who is like Jacob, I believe he was telling Nathaniel personally, individually, that he knew what Nathaniel was meditating on. That Nathaniel was meditating on the scripture passages that were not part of the schedule at that time. He was under the fig tree. That's why Nathaniel asked him, well, how do you know me? And he said, I saw you under the fig tree. What did he see about Nathaniel under the fig tree? He saw Nathaniel meditating on verses in the scriptures that were not the official schedule, only he would know 
what Nathanael was meditating on in his heart. Only the Messiah would know. Only the Son of God would know. To me, that is the indication to Nathanael that he is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. The fact that he knows what Nathanael has in his heart, he knows what Nathanael was meditating on when he was under the fig tree. That is something that only Nathanael would have known. And then Jesus further emphasized the fact that he knew exactly why Nathanael called him the Son of God, the King of Israel, by explaining to him Further, he gave to him more evidence that he knew what he was doing and he knows what is in his heart. Jesus answered in verse 50 and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You will see greater things than these, as in you will see greater things, not only things that you have seen right now by me telling you that I know what you were thinking about, what you were meditating on, what is in your heart. You will also see greater things than what Jacob saw. He saw angels ascending and descending upon the earth, but you will see angels of God ascending and descending Upon the Son of Man. It was a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to speak to an individual in a way that only they could understand. So know the fig tree, know the purpose of the fig tree, the purpose that the people gave it, the reason why they used it, the reason why they sat under it. And if you see that, if you understand that, then when you hear Jesus use these specific, distinct words, you will hear what he says through the ears of Nathanael. But in addition to this, what else did Nathanael hear? What else did he hear from Jesus? He heard from Jesus. He heard from the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Israel. He heard the words, Here is a man in whom is no deceit. Now think about that personally for just a moment. If the Lord Jesus was in front of you right now, if you saw him personally for the first time in the flesh, would he look at you in front of a crowd of people and make the statement, make the announcement, here is a person in whom is no deceit. Would he be able to say that of you? If he said that of you in front of a crowd of people, what would that say about you as a person? That the living God himself would testify on your behalf that you were a person of integrity, of honor, of honesty, that you were not deceptive, that when you said something, when you did something, there was no confusion No uncertainty, no innuendos, no assumptions. There was no opportunity for someone to look at you and assume something that was not true. You would leave no room for that at all. Whatever you said was said in completeness. It was said with clarity. And the way that you lived was a reflection of what you spoke and what you believed. 
Now, you may not be that kind of a person, and if you're not, I can understand that. There are very few people who I have ever come across who I personally believe the Lord Jesus would say such a thing about that individual. It is very unusual to find someone who would be described as Jesus described Nathaniel. So here is certainly an opportunity to be ashamed, to be concerned, but that's not why I said that. I said that for two reasons. The first reason is because the living God himself personally, who manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus, is also the person who looked at the great deceiver, Jacob, and he said of him, Jacob, I have loved. He is the one, the living God is the one who looked for, who found a Jacob and called Jacob to himself. And of Jacob, what did he do? He made an Israel. Of Nathanael, what did he do? He made a disciple of Nathanael. He made a new creation out of Nathanael. And so even though the living God could present a testimony of Nathanael such as this, he would still take him and make him into something else. The living God, the Lord Jesus, is looking for the Jacobs. He is looking for the Nathanaels. Why? So that they can see greater things than these. So that you can see greater things. So that you can see him. So that you can see him as a person. He will take Jacob's. He will take Nathaniel's. He will take anyone who is of high integrity or who has none. Because his goal, his objective, is to reveal himself to humanity. And he will take anyone who wants to see him for who he is. Who will receive him and what he has to offer and who will allow him to change and transform him, you, to change and transform you in whatever condition you are in to who he wants you to be. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net